The Football Show on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership and much more. Live on Sky Sports. I'm prepared to do anything I can well, to do play it my then. country again. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? You're welcome along to Thursday's Football Show. Nathan with you for the next hour and we're putting a wrap on the never-ending never international break and the Four Nations League games. And we want to talk a little bit more about the star from the Republic of Ireland point of view. Nathan Collins was the only outfield player to play every minute of all four games. And of course, he capped it all with that sensational strike against Ukraine on Tuesday night. And I'm delighted to be joined by the man who, well, really made Nathan Collins the player that he is today. His dad, David, is with us. How are you keeping, David? I'm great. How are you, Nathan? Very well. A, a, a footballer of note in your own right, which we'll get into. You spent a lot of time at Liverpool when you were younger, uh, played for the Ireland under-21s and had a, a really good career. But but I think we'll start uh, with your son, if that's all right. Can you, can you talk us through exactly what you were doing on Tuesday night when he picked up the ball about 10 yards inside the Ukrainian half? Oh, listen, <laughs> you've surprised me with that question. I would, I was out walking in a forest. Uh, so I don't, uh, I don't deal with the matches great when wow. I'm not at the matches. So right. <laughs> I know it's a bit unusual, but I went and uh, I went out, I know there's a park out my back here in St. Catherine's Park and I head out to, uh, I head out to this great forest there, go for a walk and just get away. Um, I much prefer to be at the matches and unfortunately I couldn't go. Um, so it's a bit unusual, I know, just that's my way. So if, if you're not at the games, you just can't bring yourself to sit and watch them on the TV? The nerves no, are too much? I, I, I find it just it's frustrating. You don't see everything. You're just seeing little snippets and the commentary. And, it's, you know, it's a, it's a tough watch, you know. And um, when you're at the game, you see the whole picture. You can see the whole ground being covered by players. And you can see everything. And you can, you're allowed, you know, you can get a, a bit involved in the game, you know. You can give a shout out to but it's very, very difficult, obviously, at home. I just, it doesn't do it for me. So, uh, so let's fast forward an hour then. Uh, talk us through when you arrived back home and you uh, first heard what had happened. Um, well, my phone was lighting up. I had my phone with me just in case of an emergency, but I didn't obviously check any messages. But generally, when I start getting that many messages in, as happened previously, I know something decent has happened, if that makes sense. So I was, <laughs> there was a bit of anticipation as I was coming home. And <laughs> um, that something had happened and... Uh, his, his Nathan's mum was there and she came in, I came in, she's screaming, oh, he scored, you know, great excitement. And, you know, it was just, just everything parted and he ran through and said, okay, it's great. And then I had to go up and collect his sister who was about Gaelic training. She had a guy training and so she, she gets in the car and she tells me, like her coach has told her what she's out training on the pitch and one of them ran up and showed her the video of the goal. And so it was um, great excitement. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. I'd imagine when your phone is hopping and you know that, that something good has happened, uh, you can't quite have imagined just how good it was and how brilliant the quality of the goal was. Like, this is right up there with one of the great Irish goals. Yeah, listen, I, I'm only presuming something good had happened. It was just the amount of messages and things that were coming into my phone. It had to be something like, you know, so the anticipation, it's, it's the hope that kills you. Um, <laughs> But we were going to get home and it was all finished and then everything. So I then watched back the match and I look at it then in the clearer view, you know, and the motion involved. And it just, I, I didn't look at it on social media. I don't generally look at much on social media. So I uh, I just watched the match there, you know, and it was uh, amazing. I, I just couldn't expect it. Michelle explained it to me in his moment, but to see it, it just blew me away. Like, you know? 
And were you thinking, oh, yeah, I remember, I remember showing him that move all right when he was about six out in the back garden. <laughs> I listened to the, there was, um, he, he, would, he would have done it, they would be fair to him when he was younger with, uh, with Jerry Orchard and things like that. He'd often make runs through, but that's a, kids football, it's a different situation, you know, to do it away to a team like Ukraine, who, who I think are a serious team, by the way. And I know people said they haven't had matches, but they've been together as a group. So I don't think um, Stephen has got the credit he deserved in the performance against both in the, the both matches against them. Um, you know, so I think it was uh, it was very impressive to do it at that level. You know, it's been a a long old season, and these international fixtures have added to it as well. And he's played a lot of football over the last few months. So I don't know if he's has he had time to to come back home post Poland. He he. Well, Listen, since Christmas has been absolutely incredible. Like, you know, obviously there's been, he's got into the Boney team and he's done he's done ever so well, but he's gone through a relegation date, a dogfight, which has been nip and tuck the whole way right to the last minutes of the last game. So mentally for a young lad in that position to go through that was absolutely tough. Um, he felt, you know, it was really, really difficult for him and to come home and then get into the Irish group really was a godsend. That was, like, as we said, we were going back, I said, Nathan, you're going home to your your friends and your pals and you're, you're meeting up with them and you're going to represent Ireland. But he was so devastated, obviously, about Burnley, you know, going down and then mm. so much from, um, it was just such a godsend to be, to be in with the Irish group and in with all the lads, Keith and Stephen and all the boys and all the players. He, he's grown up with so many of them as well. Um, it just, it was just, it couldn't have been any more perfect for the lad. Geez, you must be just so incredibly proud of, of what he's done, <sighs> even over the past two weeks. Yeah, listen, it, it's, <laughs> Obviously, we're living through it a long time with Nathan. Like it's it's gone back a few years from when he was seventeen when he broke into Stoke's team, and it was it was my Molly's funeral, who's basically my aunt, but she liked my mum, and it was her funeral, so I couldn't go over for that match either. So um, and then he makes his debut there at seventeen, and from there he's just done things that I'm. It's difficult to compute what he's done at times. Like you know, I I don't really try to look at it too hard because if I do, I think I'd be terrified. Um, but just so proud of him and just. It's more than that. It's it's how he handles himself and how he behaves. That's the that's the biggest the biggest thing. Like you know, as hopefully he has a good cricket career. He's ten years, fifteen years ahead of him. But when that's all finished and all this excitement dies down and he's not around him, he's still going to be our son. He's still going to be the brother and the you know in the family. And he's you know so it's very important that he's a good man and he's good grounding. You know. Can you go back even further then? Uh to when he was a very young age and starting playing football and you know the, the Collins family are very well known in, in football circles in Ireland as I mentioned you know you played at a, a very high level uh, your brother Eamon people will I'm sure know from his time with Brian Carrots in Patrick's Athletic and been a, a brilliant player at a very young age as well if I remember and uh, your other son's been involved in the League of Ireland there's a long history there so you know a good football when you see them and you were involved with Cherry Orchard so while it is your own son what age did you look at Nathan and think actually you know, he's playing playing DDSL football. He's playing at a good level with Cherry Orchard. And actually, uh, as much as there might be a, a little bit of bias towards your own son, actually, this guy, phew, he is he is a bit ahead of everybody else. Yeah, it's a delicate balance. Sometimes you can be too hard on your own son when you're coaching, um, which happens a lot of the time. And then sometimes you can be too soft. So it's it's a really delicate balance. You really have to distance yourself from the father-son relationship and treat him as a player. And that's the only way we can be successful. Regarding my family, it goes back to my dad and my uncles. Like going back in nineteen fifties, my dad won the FAI Cup, and then my two brothers, Michael, played League of Ireland, Pat Stundock and Aidan, who was obviously in England for twenty years, and 
and then it follows through to our family like um, you know our cousins have played Keen, Mikey, Joe, Sam and then obviously Nathan's siblings Keegy who plays now she's in the Kildare Miners and played with DLR Waves and Josh had a great run with um, he was in UCD and won the League of Ireland First Division and played the Premier League with them you know so it's it's a huge family background of football Nathan very young was he was he was four years younger than Josh, so he would have been going along to all the training sessions, all the matches. So straight away at eight years of age, nine years of age, Josh was training away, and Nathan would come along. He you know he wouldn't stay at home; he'd come down to the training sessions, and it just naturally he just went in and joined in the training sessions. And we had a very strong team, um, like but it ended up in the 15, 16, 17s. We had twelve internationals in that squad. It was an incredibly strong team with Cherry Archer, but Nathan trained with them all the way through and he would join join in all the drills he'd play in all the drills and he was more than capable like you know it's a big jump for age one one year is a big jump four years is a huge jump and um, to be training with people at that age and the passing drills and the shooting drills and setups if you're not on it with the level of players we had they'd be very quick to tell you because um, they were all very driven young men and for nathan to be able to hold himself in that environment was looking back now it was very very special like you know i really said something about him was he always a centre back? No, he started off in midfield. He's such an engine, like the, the boy. Just, he, he has a, he just runs, like you know, he can run all day. He always could, like he'd go, he'd, you know. Sometimes he just run to school, he'd be gone. You know, he was, um, he, he ran everywhere. So he started midfield, and he was running around, running around. Obviously, he wouldn't have understood the position much as a young boy. So he was very energetic up and down the pitch. He was very tall, so you know everybody be saying to me, "Why is he not in the fence? Why a big lad has to be in the fence?" And I was saying this and that. Nobody sort of appreciated this technical ability. I knew when the lads in training knew how good he was, um, but nobody on the outside would appreciate what his, what his feet were like and what his what his touch was like. You know, so he played for a long time in in centre midfield up to about 11s, 12s, I think it was, and then just by the dynamics of the team and the players that joined us and signed for us. He had to move back because um, we needed a bit of a bit of help in defence. He needed a central defender in there, and we had a couple of extra midfielders. And he went back there, and then he just he just lose confidence in class. You know, it was just very calm in the ball, and he got us playing. It changed the whole dynamic of our team to help us play. You know, our goalkeeper would try to play out from the back, and um, it was it was amazing. I think that stood to him as well. Like you know, playing in midfield, receiving the ball in them areas, and then even when he went in defence, he played left side defence. Um, that was probably a bit of a conscious decision because I'd gone back to my dad's time. He was always telling me, walk on my left foot, walk on my right. left foot. I said, listen, you're, you're going to play in the left there. That will do you the world of good to play there. And it stood to him. He's played left back for Stoke, right back for Stoke, centre midfield. You know, Burnley played right back, centre of the tree. So you can play numerous positions. Yeah, it's interesting that step back because John Giles would always talk about here on a Thursday night that it's, it, it's a straightforward thing for a midfielder physically if they're up to it to step from midfield back to defence because you can see more of the pitch you don't have to do, have that turn you know he often talks about Declan Rice actually you can see his long term future been as a centre back because it'll be, be so much more comfortable for him that actually for Nathan to learn that midfield position and it's funny now how perceptions even still are people look at him and see the big giant of a man and you think of the old traditional Irish centre back and then you watch him and the pace that he has and also the range of passing and how comfortable he is with the ball at his feet like he's a proper modern centre back yeah he has that he has the physical attributes and to be fair he'll use them he's been in plenty of battles in the championship and the and the fourth division or in the championship in the Premier League for, for a young boy but I, going back to his goal like we talked about it afterwards he was saying I met him at the airport about three in the morning and he said you think I should have hit with my left foot 
And I said, we looked back at him and I said, it was really back to a midfielder type of thing. Because the way you look at it was, he sort of opens his body and it's like a midfielder putting it around the corner. You know, the sort of way they, you know, as it comes to them, you put it around the corner and get the other side. So it's a very difficult technique to do when you're running straight to open your body and go like that. So it was there. But I think that, that's from his midfield time to be able to, with the outside of the foot, just curl them like that, you know? There's maybe a danger of uh, over-analyzing his upbringing because I'm sure at the time it's just a normal father-son relationship. And you say you're coaching the team, he comes along, and your older son Josh is is playing there. But in terms of his development, when he starts at Cherry Orchard, uh, are you pushing him? Is is he pushing you? How did that work? Oh, listen, from from Nathan's point of view, it's been totally driven by him. He was absolutely on me non-stop every training session every like Joshua's training sessions he's forced one ready in his gear ready to go he'd be out in the car those times he would walk ahead of me and I said where are you going I said he said well I'm going training I said yeah but I'm driving you to training and he's like yeah yeah but we're, we're going to be late so I'll walk on I'm like we have 500 meters of the road I'd pull in and he'd hop in the car and I'm like okay we're going now you know but he was just and then he like as I said I, I'd be going from work and we have other children as so many parents know what it's like here when you know in Ireland when their kids are playing Gaelic or rugby and the other kids playing football and the other ones going swimming. So I'd be coming from work and Michelle would be taking the key or Josh I said off to their sports and he'd be he'd be on the bus. He'd be gone down on the bus down the valley fair and I sall meet you at the West County. I'm like, okay, we'll wait there. Don't go anywhere else will be there. What age was and, he? You know, <laughs> he would go on, yeah, that was it. Like, you know, he'd hop on the bus down there and wait for me. Like incredible now, you know. I wouldn't looking back. <laughs> I wouldn't have my little guy doing it now. Seth would be doing it now. But Nathan was just no. I have to be there. I have to be there on time. I have to be. He want. It's not a matter of being there on time. I want to be there for the setup. You know, fifteen minutes before, twenty minutes before. You know. Right. So he had that unbelievable drive from a, a very oh. young age. But just as they got older, and the more understanding he got in the game, like he, he like he would be walking say with Stephen Rice at TDSL, and then. He'd be coming home to car with me and he'd be, he'd be saying to me well, about their club teams, about, are we playing the right style of football? Should we, for, for our development, for my development, am I playing this? And I, I was probably a bit pragmatic at the time in the DDSL. It can be a bit of a war zone, you know? And he was saying this and no, and he, he sort of changed the dynamic. He was, it was like the changing of the of the football philosophy. You could see it happening in England and he, he bought into it so much and he'd be talking to me tactically, why have we got to do this and do that? And during games, he'd be over to me. Well, well, listen, we've got to change it. That they're overloading us here. They're they're setting traps there. He'd see things, yeah. And I noticed he still does that in matches. Like even after we scored, I think it was the Scotland match. Um, he was straight over Keith Andrews, and the two of them had their arms around each other for thirty seconds talking tactics. Like you know, and I'm like, well, you know what's going on? And he was saying about that. He, I asked him what happened. He said he was talking about their trap they were setting and how we can bypass it and things like that. Like, wow, just amazing stuff, you know. And just obsessed with the game, clearly. Yeah, but you know, listen, he can knock off. You know, right, so yeah, he adds that bit of balance. Oh, absolutely. Listen, we we have to knock off. It's it's too much. Um, so we, like, we, you know, we play golf and, you know, he goes in with his pals and, you know, he does all the bits and pieces. And we always have to knock off as a family. It's just, you can't live that life constantly. Mm. It's just not healthy. Um, you have to get away from it. And you have to have hobbies. And you have to have, have interests. So it's very, very important. He's like all the young lads now, all these boys at this age, they... They love going shopping. They love getting their runners, their trainers. Um, you know, going to the movies. They love the restaurants. You know, it's it's a different environment to um, Yeah, you don't, you don't want to be, you don't want to be following these young lads on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. They're having yeah, they're having too good a time. I, I I just think it's fascinating at that. Like, you know, he's he's ten eleven and he's so driven, 
and you know I'm sure there's a lot of people listening in and myself included as a parent you know you want to instill your that sort of drive and ambition and and sort of leadership at a young age in your kids what what do you put it down to when you look back like where did that where did that come from I, I just think he had it in him. He was just so competitive. Like I'd be doing, we'd be doing drills with Josh out the back when Nathan was four and Josh was eight. And he'd be so competitive to try to beat him and then drills. And, and you know, you can say it's the second child syndrome or whatever it may be. But in everything in life, he was so competitive. In the school sports day, you could see him fighting. And, like I seen him in matches and as a young lad, they're getting beaten 6 0 and 8 0. And, and he's crying on the pitch and he's fighting. And he's just trying so hard and he won't give up. And you're like, Wow, like, well, you know, you, uh, as a parent, there's parents that have been involved in football. I'm looking, like, it's six years of age, I don't care. It's eight years of age, I don't care to lose the match, you know. I just, I'm looking and I'm thinking, this guy has an attitude that you cannot coach. You just cannot, you know, like, he just went beyond me. As, as, as he grew and got older, I couldn't fulfill what he needed. You know, listen, Josh went, Josh had a great pathway from his Cherry Orchard days, went to UCD, got a scholarship. Got his, got his degree, stayed on, got a master's, won his Collingwoods, won the League of Ireland. Absolutely fabulous, you know, and got great qualifications. And any parent would be so proud and delighted for their children to do that. But he was just not having it. He was just driving and he wanted more. And as I say, the likes of Stephen Rice then was giving him, he, Stephen, started with BDSL, started doing a bit of the video analysis and things like that. And the diet came in and, and it just, everything changed. Like, you know, we like, we take care of him, how they yeah. eat and things like that. He, he just changed the whole dynamic, how, how he takes care of himself now. and just just a different animal, you know? The minute a lad had asked me for a ticket, he'd go into the book. He'd put a 50, 60, 70 request. They would up the mammy then and he kind of went through the list of two of the the most. There could be a lot of lads texting. OTV AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTV Sports app. So were you talking then at a, at a really young age about him going to England? No, no, we've never, we never talked about any of our kids doing that. That would never be part of the conversation. Listen, success for us as parents, and me and Michelle have said it, is we get our kids to play sport, whatever sport it may be, to laugh at a leaving set. Mm. That is the number one. And we keep doing that. There was times, I remember Josh coming home from training and Nathan coming home from training on Tuesday nights and you'd see the lads walking up the street and they'd have cans of bottles and they're heading off to the park or they're going. And I'd say, oh, there's your pals. And it's there, he's heading out. Oh, no, we've a match Sunday. Like, it'll be a Tuesday night. I said, no, we've got a game Sunday. But I, no, no way. And, and you're like, that's the discipline. That's the that's the real success. Now, anything on top of that, then you've it's just absolute glory. You know, the sort of way. Anything, anything after that, like but well, well, I've been so fortunate with my kids. But if, if you have your kids playing sport and getting the leading cert and, and keeping them to that level, they have a you have to have a certain discipline in your life. And it, it'll make you a seriously good person going forward. Like, you know, you can keep that going up to that level, you know. Nobody better positioned as well to give him advice when he did go then over to Stoke. You'd been to Liverpool, what, 25 years ago? Was this uh, maybe a bit more? 35 years ago at this stage? Let's, let's not get into the numbers. Uh, but you'd gone over, what, probably 16, 17 at the time when Liverpool were, you know, the dominant force in English football and you'd spent a lot of time in the academy there. How much of that experience that you gained and trying to make that breakthrough was did you feel was relevant for, for Nathan when he was going over? So many young Irish players do, and so many struggle when they get over there. Uh, what what were you able to pass on that, that just could maybe give them that little bit of an extra edge? The, for me, myself and Eamon were like 14, so you going away. I know probably weren't supposed to that age, but that was the, in them days, that's when you went, you know, you'd be junior, centre, we're done. Um, I wasn't in any rush for my 
boys to go away to England at that age. As I said, we've done a great pathway with Josh, but Nathan was just so determined and so much wanted it. So then we had to find, once we knew and the level he was playing at and the things he was doing and the clubs that were interested in him, I just, you know, you, you have somebody of that level, you can't hold them back if that makes sense, you know. And it would have been, it got to the situation where I know he would have held it against me later on in his life if I didn't give him the leeway to have a crack at it and go and try to try to play football, you know. Um, and then listen, when he goes away, you're looking, he looked at a few clubs. There were, there were so many clubs in for him, but we straight away, we eliminated that and we said, let's, let's pick two, three. You look at the major clubs, obviously, my, my elder brother's involved in Man City and things like that, and you're like, it's such a big jump to go to clubs like that and you know it, 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 the football had changed so much from in my day where it was Irish and English and Scotch and Welsh lads to where it's worldwide now and like you know the African boys the South Americans it's the, the English academies pre-Brexit were the best in the world by a country mile so it was very difficult so we said we better off looking at a smaller type of not a smaller club but a, a one that you probably have a better chance of making a breakthrough um, there was a guy called Steve McGavin who was at Ipswich who we know from years ago he played with Eamon and he was heavily involved with Ipswich at the time and Mick McCarthy was the manager there so we said oh, that's going to be an ideal one we know Ipswich is a beautiful part of the world it's not being quiet and be a nice place you know so we went over there and I know Mick I played against Mick when he was manager at Millwall and I know him from Ireland and things like that I've met him on numerous occasions he's great I know his, his agent Lean Gaskin and Mick took him in there and we were like, yeah, listen, this is, Nathan loved it, the people were good, everything was great and they were a championship at the end of the time and, and then Mick got the sack. So we were looking then to look at other clubs and and then the Stoke one came along and Stoke were going really well in the Premiership and we were a little bit worried they were going so well. I think we were ninth in the league at the time and they'd really changed their style of football. But we went in there and he had a look around and there was Rich Walker and Kev Russell were there and they showed us around and I, I sort of went through a few doors that you're not supposed to go through, you know, to have a look and see what's going on really behind the scenes at the club. But you could see there was a real desire of that club to improve their academy. Um, this, uh, the, the, the owners were so determined to bring their academy up and to bring players through. It was incredible. Like, you know, you could see the and Nathan went in, he sat down and we went and had a cup of tea and the cleaning lady came over and had a cup of tea with us and we had a chat and just really liked and really fit well. And then when Mick gone, Stoke seemed to be one that fit and that's why he went there, you know. So that was the yeah, it, it didn't take him too long to make the breakthrough and then like Stoke, uh, like Ipswich, one of those clubs, like so many championship clubs, managers change all the time and I guess one of the real positive signs quite early on for uh, Nathan was that, you know, whatever manager came in kept picking him, that uh, whatever the style of play they wanted to implement, that they, they saw something in him they liked. Listen, most people in Ireland are just seeing Nathan now, like it's, it's such a hard gig for these young Irish boys going over here to break into a team in England. So Nathan gets in, he breaks into the team. He goes training first of all, Mark Hughes, he's managing, and he's breaking into the squad, he's there regularly, and then Mark gets a sack. Then he's, then he's Gary Rowe, he's going, he's in the Gary Rowe, in the squads, then to make his great show. He gets the sack. And you're like, okay, here we go again. And then Nathan Jones comes in, and he goes, gets in there, does a preseason, absolutely flies a preseason, hit all the numbers. He was top up at the high levels, all the running, the long distance, the sprints, everything. He nailed everything, you know? And Nathan Jones said, yeah, you're right in the squad. And gets in, makes his debut, going great, and then Nathan Jones gets the sack. So what happens next? Then <laughs> A new manager comes in, you know, you pop down the order, 
you know, you, it's just natural. And you wouldn't blame like Michael O'Neill. You couldn't blame him. Like, you know, he's coming into a new job. He's going to play the scene. Brian Shawcross, Danny Bath, you know, you know Bruno Martin's in the incredible set of halves there. So he straight away, you go back to them. And so Nathan then has to win Michael over and he goes again. So, and he's, he's had to do that every single time. And even when he went to Burnley, we, we under no illusions of how difficult it was going to be. You have Bendy and James Tarkovsky and obviously Sean Dyche is there, who's an incredible manager. And, you know, it was clear that they were one and two. But we felt Nathan was going in there as number three and we felt he would get an opportunity. So you look and you think, OK, well, this is where we sort of back ourselves and Nathan backs themselves. He says, I just need one chance. I just need an opportunity and I'll show them and I'll get in there. I know, and that's what he's, that's what he does. Like, you know, so when he went in and, he made it very difficult. I think you know that a lot of the fans were complaining when he was he got in and he was left out and in and left out, you know. And he got in, then he stayed in, and they just couldn't, you know. They sort of went. And similar with Ireland, like you know, we've yeah. so, we so many incredible set of halves. Stephen has so many options, you know. And you, you have to be patient and you have to be respectful. Nathan knows his place. He's a young boy making his way in the career. These guys have been around for a long time, and they've they've done the hard yards, you know. They deserve their place. So you have to wait, wait, and then when you get it, you have to go. Grab it, you know. Uh, the Burnley move uh, was interesting. You touched on it there with, with Sean Dyche. In one way, I think people were surprised because, again, with Nathan, as you know, he's got a lot of really good attributes that he would, would go to Burnley, who were, you know, from learning from a defensive point of view, are probably one of the best places to go. But in terms of playing expansive football, it's never really what they've been about. And Sean Dyche is the type of manager who doesn't make changes for the sake of making changes. Like James Sarkowski and Ben Mee, two of the most experienced defenders in the Premier League no nonsense at all will go on and get good clubs now I'd imagine that they've left and he's not just going to get rid because even maybe because someone has done well in training so there was there was definitely an element of risk involved that if me and Tarkowski stay fit for the next year or two years there may not be an awful lot of football but I guess at the same time you're going to learn a hell of a lot Yeah listen what's the other options you go to another club in the Premier League like you know if four or five could be ahead of them starting out we really felt he was he was third choice. I look back at our previous record and previous last previous two years, and the two lads have missed matches with injuries and things like that. And you're like, okay, well, he will get opportunities. And we, we just listened. The kid has such belief in himself that he said, I just need a chance. Just give me a chance and I'll be able to show it. And regarding the style of football, he's played since 14, all this academy football, playing out from the back, pass, 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 constantly done it, constantly done it, constantly done it. He's gone to the championship where they still play the Stoke, they try to play and do their stuff. Michael had played amazing football. And we felt for his development to go to a Sean Dyche, to go to a team that's going to have to defend for the Lions, who's going to have to put their body in the line, that would bring him to another level. Maybe you bring him to an area where he hasn't been before and test him in a way that he hadn't been tested before. And that, that's what's happened. He's had to absolutely fight for his life. And he's, he's become a so much more rounded defender because of that. We like we, we obviously, we know him inside out. You know, we, we know his ability, how he can play. But for him to be able to learn the defensive side and the ugly side of football and the dark arts of football. And, you know, he's playing matches and he's have a broken hand and lads are pulling the arm off him. And, you know, and he's like, you know, you have to deal with this. And, you know, he, he has to get there and he has to learn that. There was no better place from the land, I think. Uh, this is the bit where I want him texting you tonight going, Dad, why'd you say that? Uh, everyone's obviously wondering what will happen next. And it's, I don't want to say complicated, but obviously me and Tarkowski have both left, which means that uh, Nathan and Kevin Long, I think, are the only two centre halves remaining. There's a new manager, Vincent Company, who, one of the greatest defenders who's ever played in the Premier League, as somebody that you could really learn from, and maybe a full season of being the main man is, is an attractive proposition. And that was probably what everyone thought was the right thing to do a fortnight ago, but the world moves pretty quickly. And when you score a goal like that and you put in 
performances consecutively in the way that Nathan has things change like you see it sounds like you've been very methodical in how you've gone about this so far that you've made the right decisions at the right time so I'd imagine there's going to be some interesting conversations over the next couple of weeks yeah well first of all we haven't had the conversation starting off um, he came back the day after they were relegated and the first thing he said he said listen I don't want to talk about <laughs> Burnley about what's happening and what's going to happen next year he said I'm now I need two or three days off and then I'm with the Irish team he said that's all that matters that's all I want to focus on I can't think of anything else it's just too you know it's not right it's not appropriate I've got you know we're fighting for our lives with Ireland we have a big tournament start and that was the first thing so obviously Eamon my brother's um, taking care of me and and the agents that are stuff over in England and all that and Eamon's based over there he's basically dealing with people so really, we haven't had a conversation between myself and Nathan and Eamon about that. He's He finished up, he came home, he's gone away on holiday today, he's gone away for a week. And again, he just said, listen, I'm gone for a week, away for a week, don't, 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 don't say, I don't want to know anything, just let me have a breather, I need a break, which is more than reasonable, you know? And the way we've tried to look at it is, you have to trust people. And listen, Eamon's my brother, like, I can't get anyone I can trust anymore. So... That's his job. That's what he's dealing with. He's going to, you know, we haven't spoken to Borny. Vincent Company is an incredible, obviously incredible player, incredible human. His manager, he's done a fantastic job where he's been in Andalect. He obviously, he knows Nathan has been playing with Ireland. So he's not going to phone him during camp. He's, he's, it wasn't too long ago he was playing. So Vincent knows what he's doing. Um, so it's just a matter of let Eamon will talk to the club. Eamon's over there and see what the club to say they need or what they're looking at. And then we'll weigh up if somebody comes in, we don't know if they do come in. If they don't, what a position, like, you know, worst case, you know, there's no worst case. There's no Tw- 21 case. years of age and these are the options in front of you. It's not bad, is it, eh? You've got to have Vincent Company coaching you to be you know, to be what you want to be or else, you, you know, it's just, it's, it's just it, it, we, we don't know. And that's what football is now and that's what the Premier League is and that's what Championship, the way it's gone now and the money is involved, it's, it's way beyond them. It's not really for Nathan to worry about that. That's his job is to do what he's doing. And his job now is to knock off for a week, two weeks, get away from everything. Don't be involved in anything. Just get away from it. You know, put the ball away and, and recover. Because mentally and physically, he's put such a shift in, it's beyond belief. So he needs to get away from it, you know? I see somebody has changed his Wikipedia. His name on Wikipedia is now Nathan Ronaldinho Michael Collins. Uh, I presume Ronaldinho <laughs> isn't his actual confirmation name, is it? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, listen, he's uh, he's clearly got uh, a very wise head on his shoulders. You can see where he got it from as well, Dave. Uh, you need to get your tickets and your flight sorted good and early uh, next time around, uh, wherever he ends up, because you don't want to be missing too many more moments like that. No, listen, I, you're not missing them. You know, you're, you're there with them the whole way. It's just, it's amazing. We're so privileged. We're so we're so proud, and we're so lucky. You know, sort of way, just we're, we're one of millions of all these Irish families that have their kids playing sports, and that for him to go and do what he's doing, it's. It's incredible, and then the, the goodwill he's getting, and he appreciates. You know, he's he's so humble. He appreciates that. You know, like we met, it was Charlie O'Leary and Mick Bourne at the match of the Scotland match. Yeah, like, I, I go to lads from years ago. We met up there upstairs and met him in the, after the game, and I said, Nathan, come over and meet the two lads. And Nathan was talking, and I was, I was explaining to Nathan, he's such a young boy. I said, Listen, <laughs> these lads were, you obviously know Jack Charlton years and stuff, but these boys were here before Jack Charlton, and, and that that's a great thing I see as in. I want them to have that link from my dad's time back to the 1920s, the 30s, and you know, a hundred years later down the road, the FAI and the link of these people. I want them to see that and to know that and to see the supporters in the, the Scotland match. But for him to see that and feel that, 
you know, we, we haven't had enough of that in the last few years. And you now now he's seen that, he's seen the history, he's seen what it means to the supporters. I'm telling them when I walk out of the stadium, the smiles, the happiness, people singing. And I said, it was just incredible. I said, we haven't had that. And he said, that's the only regret. He said, I haven't been able to go outside to see everybody having a great time. They've gone back to the hotel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it'll come, it'll come, I'm sure. And hopefully there's major tournaments and all of that down the road as well. Uh, Dave, it's been brilliant uh, talking to you. Uh, congratulations. I say you've uh, a huge amount to be proud of and a lot more to come down the track. And hopefully we get a chance to catch up with you again. Thank you very much. And thanks for all the support for everybody. We're all we're very lucky. Thank you. Cheers, Dave. Football on Off The Ball With Sky All the football you love in one place Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports